This is episode 16 of the Better Bible Reading Podcast. Welcome to the show. Welcome, friends. I am Kevin Morris, as always, the host of the Better Bible Reading Podcast, and I want to sincerely thank you for tuning in to episode number 16 of this show. Really thankful to have your time and your interest in listening to what I love talking about most, and that is the idea of reading the Bible better, doing a better job at reading, comprehending, putting it into practice, better Bible reading. Thank you so much for all of your support and interest in this show. Before I get into the content of today's episode, I want to go ahead and announce some things that I normally announce at the end of the episode. But let's be honest, everybody's busy, and I don't know that many of you who do love this show and listen to it always listen till the very, very end. And I know I'm kind of that way with the podcast channels that that I listen to as well. Sometimes I don't listen all the way through. So I thought I better announce some things that I want people to listen to on the front end instead of waiting until the end. So let me go ahead and do that now. First and foremost, if you have found yourself frustrated, confused, not really sure how to approach studying a book of the Bible, I have good news for you. I have completely free training that's going to help you do just that. And you can find that at betterbiblereading.com forward slash free training. Or you can also find it by simply going to the homepage on the website and you'll see a tab at the very top that says free training. Click on that. You'll get the instructions of what to do from there. I'm convinced that anybody who goes through that especially if you're frustrated or confused, you're wanting to study a book of the Bible, but you haven't done it before, or there's just so many methods out there, you're not really sure how to start, how to begin. You are going to know exactly what to do, exactly how to start, exactly how to begin. By going through that free training, it'll be sent to you via email. It's very accessible, very easy. It won't even take a lot of your time because you'll be getting a week worth of free boot camp, if you will, by yours truly. I would love for you to take advantage of that free offer that I am extending to you. Again, go to betterbiblereading.com forward slash free training. Another thing I want to throw out there is that if you are interested in finding the show notes to this episode, and so sometimes I will add um, kind of a condensed version of what's what I'm being what I'm talking about on the podcast, or especially on our Teaching Thursdays, if it's a sermon or a Sunday school class or whatever the case may be, I'll go ahead and put my outline on there as well. And those are extremely accessible. They're posted online for you, and you can find all of those for any given episode by simply typing in betterbiblereading.com forward slash episode, whatever it is that you want to find. In this case, you just type in forward slash episode 16. You'll be able to see the notes from this show. Click on the links that I might reference or offers that I might give to you on any given episode. So I want to ask you to take advantage of that because I create content not for myself, not to post online and just go on my phone or my laptop and just look at what I've done. 
in excitement, but I do it for you. So I want you to take advantage of the things or the resources that I have put together um, for your enjoyment and your consumption and to help you out read, reading the Bible in all the better ways that I have thought of. And one last thing in that light is that although I can have conversations with you all and get a decent amount of an idea of what you might be interested in having me talk about or the kind of problems that you're wanting me to solve in terms of Bible reading or study methods, etc., etc., I might do a good job of kind of putting together the pieces or the conversations I've had, but nothing beats explicit directed requests from you to me. And so what I've done is you can simply go to betterbiblereading.com forward slash ask, and you can simply type in any question that you would like me to cover on a, on a written article or an upcoming episode, and I would be so glad to oblige your request. Because after all, I want to throw out the content and present the content that is relevant and that is helpful to you. And the only way that I can really know that is if you tell me. So there's uh, three action steps that I have for you right off the bat, but I wanted to get those at the forefront of this episode instead of waiting until the end, because honestly, you can listen to these episodes, you can get some knowledge, but I'm interested in you putting things into action. I'm interested in you applying what I say. Otherwise, it's really of no help for you. It's really one in one ear and out the other. And I don't want it to be like that. I want to help you and I want to hear about the progress you're making, the results you're seeing, the growth you're experiencing. So please reach out to me. Take advantage of those three things that I've just mentioned. The free training, putting out podcast uh, show notes for you to look at, and also requesting upcoming episodes. All right, so now let's get to the show itself. And today we're thinking about uh, a rather embarrassing phrase that so many of us say um, at one time or another in the course of our lives, and that is this, I don't know the Bible like I should. And I've titled the episode, I don't know the Bible like I should, help, because I mean, that's really one of the most frustrating feelings or just kind of shameful feelings to have, honestly, if we want to be honest, is that so many of us want to know the Bible better. We want to have a better grasp of the scriptures, but we don't know it like we should. And I can't tell you how many times in my life, and this isn't even at church necessarily, some kind of a context like that. It's, it's been a lot of times um, just at the workplace. I've had conversations somebody might know in the past that I was a pastor, or somebody might know that I'm interested in studying, that I'm a Bible college student, and somebody will come up to me and ask, just a coworker or whoever, will ask some kind of Bible question. I'll give them an answer. They'll reflect on it or say thanks or that was helpful or something like that. And then it's almost like this kind of under the breath, just kind of throw it out there confession of they'll say, I don't know the Bible like I should, or I really should know the Bible more than I do. Sometimes it's just a expression of guilt. It's an expression of shame 
But honestly, many of us have said that one time or another. I remember when I was little, one of the most terrifying jobs that I could possibly think of having once I became an adult was a pastor. And the reason was because I was scared to death that somebody would ask me a question that I could not answer. And of course, that wasn't because I thought that pastors should have all the answers, but really behind that fear was really a fear of, I don't know where to go in the Bible if question A or question B is asked of me. And I think in some ways that's good because I knew that ultimately the job of a pastor is not to be, I will solve all your problems kind of a guy, but it is, if you have any questions regarding scripture, I'm going to show you what God has to say about this or about that, how God has addressed this or that. And I think that's a good place to be. But if we're honest, I think many of us think that that kind of knowledge is simply just reserved for the pastor or reserved for the professor or reserved for the select few who really see the Bible and theology as just their number one hobby, the way that people see fishing or hunting or sports or something else as their number one hobby. And the the worst thing that we can do is look at our Bibles and the study, the consumption of what is said of it as a hobby. I mean, can, think about it for a minute. Let, let's think about God's Word, because I, I think really to get us over the hurdle of the, the shameful confession of I don't know the Bible like I should, to get us over that, we really have to kind of get our minds wrapped around the fact of what the Bible is. And that might sound like a strange way of freeing ourselves from the bond, the bondage of, of informational lack. But let's, let's think about this in terms of what the Bible is. Here's what I mean by that. I think it is absolutely appropriate and right and true to refer to the Bible as God's Word, the Bible as the Word of God. Now, let's substitute that with what we say about the Bible when we think about it as a hobby. First of all, does it make sense to say that what God has to say is a hobby? Or caring about what God has to say is a hobby the way fishing or a sport or hunting or our favorite TV show is a hobby. The batting average of this MLB player, whether or not you want to look into that and follow it or even for an entire team is a hobby. But is it right to say that caring and making ourselves aware of what God has to say is simply a matter of whether it's our hobby or not. Now, I think that that is just terribly wrong of us to even think about the Bible in those terms. But that's what we're saying, right? I mean, 
if we, in our minds, reserve the Bible to the pursuit of the pastor only, or the professor only, or the Sunday school teacher only, or the student, the Bible college student, the seminary student only, then what we're saying is that, well, that's really their their hobby or their pursuit or what they're really most interested about. Now, it almost sounds excusable if you just refer to the Bible abstractly. But if we refer to the Bible in terms of what the Bible is, God's word, then suddenly it sounds way off to say that it's really only in the interest of the pastor, the Bible college student, the professor, the teacher, to care about what God has to say. If we are creatures, if we are humans, and all of us are, I would (laughs) imagine that all of us listening to this are humans and not dogs or reptiles. If all of us are humans, we by default should make ourselves aware of what God has to say. Creation should care what the Creator thinks. Creation should care what the Creator has said. Creation should care what the Creator has established, what the Creator is promoting, what the Creator will not allow. I mean, when we think about it in those big terms— And when we know that the way that God, the creator, has revealed himself is in the Bible, he's not just made it available to us, he has proclaimed it. It has been proclaimed. It has been given actively a gesture of a gift, a gesture of here. It has been given to us in that way. So it is a responsibility of everyone to care what God has to say. And by extension, we care about what God has to say by looking to where he has revealed himself to us, and that is our Bibles. That is the Word of God. So, first of all, the the hurdle that we have to get over is the hobby idea. But then, if we're willing to get over that, if if we say, okay, I know, I know the Bible is important. I know it is something that I should study, that I should know better than I should. I don't know it like I should. I should know it better. I should know more of it. I should have a better grasp of it. Then normally there's two approaches that that happen as a result. And it's this, the, the fight or flight approach. Many of you have heard of the you hear about people getting getting into a threatening uh, situation and there's like the type A person and the type B person or there's the fight or flight people. One, you back them up into a corner, they're going to fight. The other one, you try to do that and they're going to run away. And that's really, I think, accurate for people in terms of the Bible. So you have the two options, right? You have the the... Coming to terms with what the Bible is, God's Word, if I understand it's God's Word, I understand the significance and importance of it, but then what do I do with it? Well, there's two responses, fight or flight, and Paul addresses this to Timothy. 
I don't know how many of you are familiar with Second Timothy, but it's really helpful, especially in all of the analogies that Paul gives to Timothy about the Christian life. There's a popular one about the the idea of a soldier. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. His aim is to please the one who enlists him. And then he talks about an athlete. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And then he talks about a farmer. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Paul is interested in giving us a flavor, an idea, a mental image of the Christian life. But then he moves into what the right kind of worker is like. And this is one of those, if you've grown up in a uh, a youth group context or a, or a summer camp Bible context, then you've probably had this memory verse as one of those um, part of a long list of verses that you were supposed to memorize by the end of the week and compete for points and all that kind of stuff. And here's what it is. This is 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. That key phrase there is, Paul is saying, to be one who rightly handles the word of truth is to be one with no need to be ashamed. The flip side of that is those who don't rightly handle the word of truth are ashamed. And I think that is that shame we think about, that shame that we express, that shame that we mention when we say, I don't know the Bible like I should. But it's that key point there when you have the two options. You have the fight or the flight. Many of us are familiar with the flight approach because we've taken that approach. Maybe you're even in that approach and you're dissatisfied with it, and that's one of the reasons why this episode was intriguing to you, because you're in the flight approach. You've been in it. You don't like it. You know that it leads to absolutely nothing but more and more shame, because if you identify yourself as a Christian— yet you don't rightly handle the word of truth, then there is shame. Paul says the way that we don't have that shame is when we rightly handle the word of truth. So how do we understand that? Well, the first step that keeps us going is to understand that the Bible is God's word. If we think about that long enough— and keep that at the forefront of our minds, it is highly unlikely that we will lose interest in what it says. It's when we take our minds away from that reality. If we, if we take our minds away from the fact that God has spoken to us, that God wants to communicate with us, that God has preserved his word for us, if we take our minds away from that, then suddenly the, there's no interest left in the Bible because it is just a, a hobby horse. But if we remember the fact that God, who created all of us, has revealed himself to us in the Bible, has expressed much of his character, has expressed everything that is necessary for us for life and godliness, 
If we understand that, then we won't hardly be able to get enough of the Bible. It goes back to a lot of what I have to say in previous episodes, probably, that God's Word is way more equatable to oxygen and food and water than it is hobbies. Because if you cut out a hobby, okay, great, go find another hobby, go find some other way to occupy your time. But if you cut off oxygen, supply food and water, you're going to die. It's necessary. And that's the kind of mindset we should have of our Bibles, of God's Word. It's necessary. It is absolutely vital for us. It is not a hobby. But when we experience the flight approach, really all we do is find other things to occupy our time. And this, I think, really reveals our own ironic state and even our own contradictions of the kind of people that we that we are when we do this. Think about it. If I know the Bible is God's word, it's important, but I shrink back in shame. I shrink back in the flight approach. I'm gonna I'm gonna flee the scene. Well, okay, you cut off that. But then what are you gonna do with that time that you could be spending reading and studying? Well, you're gonna find a hobby, or you're gonna find something to busy yourself. Or you could even make excuses to cover your own fleeing, your own flight. And you'd say something like this, well, I'm not really like a, like a informational guy. I'm not, I'm not really like a, like a history guy. And while that sounds like the excuse of, well, it's really for the academic people or it's really for the pastors, I'm just an every, average everyday person. While that sounds like an excuse... It really isn't even true about anybody because we are informational people. There's no such thing as a human who is not informational. The only kind of human that isn't informational is a human that doesn't have a brain. But that doesn't even matter because we can't live without our brain. God has given all of us a brain, and though there are differences in the amount of information we can gain. There's extraordinary instances of birth defects or some kind of limitation of brain function. But generally speaking, everyone to some extent, either more or less, is an informational person. And especially everyone that's listening to this podcast is an informational person. The difference is not whether or not we are informational, but it's that we are selective in our information that we're interested in. I mean, if I asked you what size t-shirt you wear, you know. If I ask you what size shoe you wear, you know. If I ask you what you ate for breakfast, you know. If I ask you what your favorite color is, you know. If I ask you, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth, you will say yes or no. And that's because you are an informational person. You gather information. You gather facts. You gather the reality of life, and you reference it at any given moment. God has made us, God has wired us as informational people to retain information. And the sad thing is, most people who do say, well, the Bible is not interesting to me, 
the Bible is really only for, you know, the kind of knowledge that you're talking about is really only for pastors or something like that. Well, those same people will be able to spout off all kinds of stats about sports teams, all kinds of information about friends and family, what's going on in their lives, all kinds of character traits of their favorite show or favorite movie series. I mean, there's just so many things we could look at to see how contradictory we are when we say, yeah, I'm not really an informational person. I'm not really a study type person. I mean, we all are without exception. So it's our selectivity, right? So we could we could do the flight approach and say, well, the Bible is just too much for me to handle. I'm just going to flee the scene. I'm going to shrink back in embarrassment. I'm going to shrink back in shame. But ultimately, we have to fill that time slot with something else, right? There's no, there's no such thing as removing ourselves entirely from the Bible. It's just replacing what could be with something else. Even if it's not a hobby, it's just, well, I don't really see an interest in going to church, so it's just replace that time with more time with the family hanging out of the house, more vacations, working overtime, working on house projects. I mean, you just fill in the blood, or, or just sleeping. Let's just be honest. A lot of people just sleep. I'm just going to sleep. But all that is, is just replacement. It's just taking the Bible, and it's an act of fleeing the scene. It's the flight approach. It's the, I've forgotten to think about the Bible as God's Word, how serious and important and amazing that is. And I've shrunk, I've shrunk back in fear. I've shrunk back in shame. And I'm just going to occupy what could be time well spent in the Bible with this, that, and everything else. That's a sad thing because right now, as I mention all that, you're either thinking of yourself or you're thinking of somebody that you know very well because it is rare anymore that you can walk up on any given conversation and hear people talking about the Bible. And I don't say it's rare as if it used to always be Everybody talking about the Bible 24-7, but I say it's rare because that's, for so many people, just totally off the radar. It's just nowhere in their minds whatsoever. And that might be understandable or expected from the world, but it shouldn't be expected by those who profess to be Christians. I would assume that most of you listening to this would profess to be a Christian and especially if you profess to be a Christian, I would hope that you understand the significance of the Bible. So here's your second option. That sounds gloomy. It sounds unpromising. It sounds like just a long road of, of shame and busyness and plugging your ears not to hear the words Bible and God but you have a different option, and that option is the one that I think you're more interested in. That is the fight option. And what I don't mean by fight is fighting against God's word. But what I do mean by fight is doing whatever it takes to understand. There's a beautiful picture in the Old Testament when 
the angel of the Lord comes to Jacob and they get in. It's kind of a, to be honest, kind of a bizarre story in some ways, at least if you're listening to it with absolutely no context. So I would highly recommend following the narrative. It's much, makes much more sense if you do, but there's a time when the angel of the Lord appears to Jacob. Jacob is getting ready to leave and he gets into this, not don't think of a WWE or, or a mixed martial arts wrestling match, but he gets into a, a wrestling match of sorts with the angel of the Lord. And he has this phrase that he says to the angel of the Lord. And he says, I will not let you go until you bless me. That's the kind of fight that I'm talking about when we approach God's word and we don't understand it, but we know how important it is to understand it. We should have that mind of desperation that this is my only hope, that this is life giving, that this is so important because God himself has given it to us. God himself has said it. And I don't want to leave until I understand it. That is the kind of desperation that we should have. That's the kind of fight that we should be in. And it is a gesture of faith. It's a gesture of reliance upon God. It's a gesture that surely he delights in, in any of us. So what do we do and how do we fight to understand. Well, there's so many options for us, especially living in the time of this recording, 2019. There is so much accessibility to help that really this podcast and my website is just a small drop in the bucket of what is available to all of us. But nothing replaces simply reading our Bibles. I mean, that is just the ground level answer I don't know the Bible like I should. Please help. Kevin, what would you say is the best way to help the fact that I don't know the Bible like I should? My answer is going to be 10 times out of 10. Read more of it. I remember the first year that I decided to read all the way through the Bible. I was amazed at how many so-called life questions that had been lingering in my mind here or there were answered in passages that I did not know existed in books of the Bible that I had never read and things that God said that he was so much more clear on than I knew beforehand. It was an amazing thing. And the cool thing about reading the Bible is you never read it and come to a place of arrival. You never get to the point where you say, well, I really know all I need to know about the Bible. I mean, again, that's the revolving door. If you lose sight of the fact that the Bible is not just a textbook or, or um, an historical book, but if you lose sight of the fact that the Bible is God's word, what God has to say, what God thinks, if you lose sight of that, 
you might lose interest in the Bible. You might see less of a necessity of reading it. But if you keep that at the forefront of your mind, you won't ever lose interest. You can read from Genesis chapter 1 all the way to the last chapter, last verse of Revelation, and all you'll have to say at the end of it is, I really learned a lot, and I have so much more to learn. I'm hungry for more. God's Word is satisfying to our souls, and it quenches our thirst, but it also has an interesting effect of leaving us hungry for more. So we want to go back to it, want to read more, want to understand more. So my first encouragement is don't see this as a sprint. See it as a marathon. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Reading the Bible is not just a checklist thing. I mean, it is an ongoing process. I'm trying to help shape you to develop habits that are repeatable for the whole rest of your life, regardless if you have five more years or 50 more years. I want you to develop those reading habits that are going to be monumental for years down the road, because this is a repeatable thing that we're in when we read the Bible. So my first encouragement to you, if you say, I don't know the Bible like I should, please help. My encouragement is we should be in this for the long haul, so keep reading. I read the book of Romans and I really don't know it like I should, please help. My first encouragement is read it again. My second encouragement is a simple one, but oh my goodness, it is neglected by so many of us, and that is the power of prayer. Not just the power of prayer for asking for things, the power of prayer in my work situation, the power of prayer in my difficult time in my life, but the power of prayer in wanting to know the Bible like you know you should. There's nothing more baffling to me when I think of my own downfalls or when I think about the conversations I've had with others, then the fact that we, for some reason, forget that one of the best ways that we can know more about the Bible is by praying to God and asking Him to help us know more of the Bible. I mean, for some reason, it's just like, oh, that's that's not even an option in my mind. I'm not even thinking of that. But, I mean, if the Bible is God's Word, who should we speak to? Who should we make our request to when we want to know more of it? I mean, do we think that for some reason God's going to say like, nah, I don't really want you to know any more about it. And the answer to the prayer is going to be a, a no. I mean, God delights that we would delight in his word. And your often neglected but easy solution to knowing more of the Bible is to pray and ask that the Lord would help you to know it like you should. Work on that. You get to a passage, you don't understand it. You pray and ask the Lord for more understanding. I mean, that should be such a no-brainer for us, but my goodness, we act like that's just not even an option. We have to look to any and every other solution besides that, and the answer is just clear as day. If we want to know more of the Bible, first encouragement, read more of it. You don't know the Bible like you should, what should I do? Read more of it. Read it more often. Read it consistently. And the second encouragement is pray to the Lord for help. 
He will help us with this. He does help us with this. Any time that I get over my own ignorance and ask for help, it always comes from the Lord, especially when it has to do with understanding His Word. But I would be totally out of bounds if I didn't kind of qualify what I mean by that, because it is true that in the moment God does and can give us understanding on a given passage, but it's also true that God has equipped all of us to help one another. And so that means that God might give you a a good bit of clarity in the moment as you're looking over a passage, or it might come to mind later, the second time that you look at the passage. But it's also true that God has given us so many good tools for understanding the Bible. And that's where things like Bible commentaries come in. That's where theology books come into play. That's where having a good relationship with your pastor who you can come to with questions about the Bible that's where a good marriage works when the wife has a godly husband that she can come to with questions about the Bible, and he doesn't say, I don't know, ask the pastor, but he has a good understanding of it. Friends helping one another. I mean, God has not just given us head knowledge that we would just enjoy it ourselves, but he wants us to in love, certainly, not in an attitude of, I know more than you. But God wants us to help one another. That's one of the reasons I have this podcast, by the way. It's not because I think that I've arrived, but because I want to help you. I want to help you get over your frustrations. I want to help you get over whatever kind of lack of knowledge you have. I want to help you beat the shame of confessing, I don't know the Bible like I should. I want to help you with that And my first way of helping you is to encourage you by saying, read the Bible more. Be consistent, friend. Be consistent in your reading of the Bible. Be consistent in looking at it day in and day out and studying it. Don't just glance at it, but really have an attitude and a posture of desperation. You don't have to be all amped up in a nervous wreck as you're reading it. But this is a life-giving word that God has given to us, and so we should approach it in that way. Not only on Sunday morning, where everything is formal and, and there's a sense of reverence there, but when we're alone, when we're reading our Bibles, we shouldn't have the leisure attitude. We should have the attitude of, this is God's word. I want to know it. I want to understand it. And then the second thing, as I mentioned again, is the power of prayer. Don't just read more, but couple those two things together with prayer. And then my third encouragement is go back and listen to last week's episode about Christian meditation, because that kind of encapsulates all of it together. I won't rehash the whole episode for you, I'll just simply direct your attention back to it because I really think that's a third element that has to do with the reading and the praying. There's also the third element of meditating on God's Word. And in a lot of ways, that's simply to say putting it into practice. We come to know more by doing. We want to call it 
to the forefront of our minds when we're at work. We don't want to read before work and then forget what we've read by the time we show up to work and then maybe remember it by the end of the day, but probably not because we're going to be too busy. We, we, we want to have a life that is a full-orbed concentration upon God's Word, upon our Bibles. And so my encouragement is read it more, pray to God more that you would understand it more, and put it into practice more. If we have our minds wrapped around the big picture, the marathon approach, and if we hold the Bible dear to our hearts as God's word to us, we will have an attitude of desperation for it. And I hope my encouragement will be swaying you towards the fight approach and not the flight approach. Because the flight approach leads to a worker who is ashamed, who cannot rightly divide the word of truth. But if we cling to God in fighting desperation, then we will find ourselves to be workers with no need to be ashamed. We will have no need of saying, I don't know the Bible like I should, please help. But rather we might even say, I don't know the Bible like I should, but I'm knowing more of it each and every day. Well, thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's been of an encouragement to you and benefited you in your Bible reading endeavors. And I want to throw out that link one more time, as I think it is as relevant as ever to this episode, and that is, if you want to know how to study a book of the Bible, here's your action step for today, for this episode. Please go to betterbiblereading.com forward slash free training, and I would love to help get you started, friend. Enjoy the rest of your day. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. This is Kevin Morse.